That's it. Hello, everyone. Dr. Stillman here with Jim Laird and Meredith Oak. Meredith Oak runs the Quantum Biology Collective. I got it right, didn't I, Meredith? You sure did. That's it. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about? We're here to talk about okay, how does Wi-Fi radiation and cell phone radiation cross the blood-brain barrier? Joe yes. Rogan asked this to like in front of his audience of, I don't know, 20 million people or right. whatever it is, and to RFK. And he's like, you should ask an expert. So let's ask an expert. Right. So let's talk about this because I love this topic. And uh, I think it's important to go back and give people, I'm going to give people the short answer. And then I'm going to give people the longer answer in the context. Because the the first response that I get from people about things like this is just what Joe said on the podcast, which is how did we not know that? Okay. And so the short version is basically that microwave and radio wave radiation are absorbed by water very strongly and they disrupt the bonds between water molecules. That isn't any news to people. They knew this because that's how their microwave oven works. But what they don't understand and what the vast majority of doctors, scientists, and when I say scientists, I mean cellular and molecular biologists. I mean, even maybe even the, the uh, quantum biologists, although I hope they are up on this but certainly the average physicist, whatever, these people don't understand this quantum biology, which is covered in a lot of detail in Gerald Pollack's work. It's covered in Life on the Edge by Jim Al-Khalili and John Joe McFadden. Jim and I talk about this all the time. We're talking about it in the upcoming uh, course that we're helping you put together with the Quantum Biology Collective, which people can find more out about in my most recent blog post over on my Substack. But the bottom line is that as microwave and radio wave radiation disrupt these hydrogen bonding networks. They disrupt what is ultimately the cellular battery. And that impairs bioenergetics. It impairs cellular function. And that ultimately then cascades into impairing cellular structure because structure really follows function. A cell that's not functioning well is not going to have normal, appropriate, proper structure either. So that's the 50,000 foot short version. But there's a bunch of, of explanation that that really merits because that's a really vague, incomplete explanation to the average person who's just stumbled into this conversation or debate. And the right. 50,000. And before yeah. you go deep, I would also like point out that even your understanding of the water inside our body is probably a little bit beyond what a standard doctor or a standard scientist would say. Like not everybody has right. read Gerald Pollack's work. So right. you're explaining it from both perspective of having a quantum biologic understanding of the human system and of the frequencies entering that system. So we're yes, exactly. And I wrote more about this in the Substack post I put out on this recently. But the this story really begins back in the 1920s and 30s when wireless radiation and, and wireless technologies were being created and rolled out. You know, Marconi and people can read about this in uh, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. It's the best book, single book out there on the history of EMF and non-native EMF. Um, but you know, even Marconi got a lot of illnesses as he was creating microwave and radio wave technologies for communication. He was the inventor of the radio, for those of you who don't know. And the first uh, workers on the first radio tower also had, they developed what was called microwave sickness. The Soviets, and well, then the story diverges because in World War I and World War II, microwave and radio wave radiation became integral to the war effort. And this became particularly powerful in World War II, right, where we were using things like uh, interception and code breaking to break the German U-boat 
Enigma system that allowed them to operate with almost impunity in the North Atlantic, right? So these were very, very, very sensitive, important matters of state security. That's very important because what that means is the, is the military has always been on the cutting edge of these technologies. The like GPS was originally developed for the military. The original GPS units rolled out to the, to the civilian population that were accurate down to like 200 yards. Now everyone's got a cell phone that's accurate to two, three meters or less. Email too. Email was originally right. military. So <clears throat> that's really important because in, after World War II, the military industrial complex in the United States recognized that they couldn't possibly be honest with the American people about the dangers of Wi-Fi and radio wave and microwave radiation because it would make it impossible for them to defend the country against the Soviets. They also had a perverse incentive because what did all the people in the military industrial complex who incidentally, you know, RFK Jr. talked about how they had it in for his, have had it in for multiple members of his family, including him on the podcast with Rogan, right? But they saw this and they also realized this is a massive opportunity. Um, I remember hearing Dan Pena say that 20 years ago, he said there's two growth sectors in the United States, healthcare and wireless and telecommunications. And he was right. I mean, if there's huge fortunes have been made in the last few generations off of these two technologies, perhaps more than anything else. And you look at the new, the new billionaires, guys like Musk, they wouldn't be where they are without wireless radiation, wireless technology, big tech infrastructure, right? So the military industrial complex ultimately profited off of that when they rolled out all these industrial or all these military uh, uh, technologies to the public. So they had an incentive to lie to the public. They had an incentive to bury all this data. The there have been multiple papers and sources that I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know we can link in in notes and things like that and future blog posts of mine to people who've who've covered all of this in a lot of detail. But the military is known for a long time that non-native EMF, that means Wi-Fi radiation, cell phone radiation, microwave, radio wave, electrical magnetic fields. If it, if, it is an, or if it is a modern tech gadget, it produces some amount of EMF. We've known that it has a negative effect on the populace, but the effect is small. And that's how they're able to hide it. And it compounds over time. And there's too many confounding variables for it to be really easy to study. So short story, in the West, this got suppressed by the military industrial complex. It was ignored by the public who really don't want to hear about how inconvenient this truth is. And then, but then in the Soviet Union, they went a different direction where science wasn't commoditized. It was a matter of state security. And so the Soviet scientists all came to the conclusion after they ran many, many tests and studies that non-native EMF, radio microwave radiation were bad for animals, humans, and could be used as weapons. And so there's a whole field of wireless radiation hygiene in the, in the Eastern Bloc countries and, and Russia, former Soviet Union. And they accept that there are certain safety levels that have to be observed so that you don't really have seriously negative effects in the populace. And that was just never picked up by Western scientists who, frankly, for the last few generations of, of scientific endeavor have just been chasing more grants and chasing more papers and chasing more publications because that's how you get ahead. And if you rock the boat and you upset the military industrial complex, it's very likely that you'll have a lot of your papers pulled or, or you'll have a lot of your funding pulled, I should say. And you can, I mean, it's basically a, a type of academic suicide. Or you'll like what dead. people saw with the COVID, I hate saying that word. I'm not supposed to put that word out on, on these platforms because we get censored with that. Beer. One of the things you use the beer, the beer, <laughs> the beer 
sickness. Fear okay. sickness. Right. So one of the things that we saw in the last few years is that a lot of really, really smart, capable, influential people had their careers ruined because they went against the narrative. And one of the first things that I got censored for was saying that um, <clears throat> the newest generation of, of cell phone technology could be playing a role in this because it coincided in its rollout with a big spike in mortality. That was back in the spring of 2020. And people said, oh, these are conspiracy theorists. I got a lot of hate mail. Uh, I got pulled, videos pulled off of YouTube. But there's a real open question here of how big of an effect is this on the populace? And no one studied it, just like they haven't studied other things that J RFK Jr. And, and Joe Rogan talked about on their podcast, the way that people who are really skeptical of the safety would want them studied if you were really going to determine uh, definitively what the, the threat or the harm level was. So that's the historical background. Okay, so it, it seems that there's sort of a confluence of factors here mm -hmm. um, leading to a situation where we're all walking around with these things right, like this and thinking nothing of it and letting our babies hold them and putting Wi-Fi routers in, the, in our bedroom and like right. not even thinking about it, like not even a little bit. So part of it was was security reasons, part of it was financial reasons, but the the choice from the beginning was to suppress any information that led to the idea that this technology could be harmful. And now it's yeah. so ubiquitous that it's almost impossible to study in certain ways yes. because we use it so much and there's so many, as you said, confounding factors. However, to go back to, to where we started, we can explain the mechanism at play of yes. what that radiation is doing, how it crosses the blood-brain barrier and messes with our system. Right. So let's talk about the nitty-gritty cell, uh, cellular, molecular, biophysical mechanics here. So people need to understand how water and light actually come together to create all of your cellular bioenergetics, your cellular battery. People have the mistaken uh, assumption <clears throat> or belief that their body runs on fuel the way that their car runs on gasoline. But what they don't realize is that it's actually not the production of water and CO2 from gasoline that runs your car. It's the production of light and energy in that reaction that runs the, that runs the, uh, the engine. And it's actually not that dissimilar in the cell. So when your body is breaking down food in the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, it's not just creating water and CO2. It's actually creating light. Now, people think that the light story, that's okay, great. It makes light. It makes infrared light. That's heat. And that's why we aren't the temperature of our environment. We're a little bit you know, warmer, right? But the problem with this is that it doesn't understand or take into account how light structures water in the cell. This is a very weird idea that most people have never even heard of. And it goes back to the 1960s and the work of a physicist named Gilbert Lang. Gilbert, Gilbert Ling looked at the biophysics of the cell and he said, the cell doesn't make any sense from a energy in energy out perspective, because if you look at the amount of energy that's stored in ATP, which is what scientists think is the energy currency of the cell, then the amount of ATP that's made by this much carbohydrate or this much protein or this much fat, that amount of energy can't actually, um, do the work that the cell needs to do in order to just run the sodium potassium ATPase, which is the main energy or main pump 
that maintains the ion gradient across cells, which when it uh, falls apart, um, the cell dies. So he said, where is the cell getting this energy? And he came up with this hypothesis that the cell was getting the energy by creating a battery out of water using light. And that sounds like a really weird concept. That's about as radical as me telling you that I could create a car engine that ran on water. There is actually reports of that. It's called Brown's gas. I've never really, I've never really looked into it low and done it, but you can go check it out if you want to. It's kind of a really interesting area of, of, uh, of let's just say, I don't know if I should call it conspiracy theories, but it's a really interesting place to go. So the cell works really fundamentally to you. It uses light in order to structure water and that creates a battery. Now, Ling thought this, he demonstrated it. He, his work was never truly appreciated the way it should have been. But fortunately, it didn't just disappear with him. It was carried on by people in the field of biophysics. And a couple of generations of scientists later, we've got guys like Gerald Pollack out at the University of Washington who have substantiated in, in great detail with repeated experiments that this is, in fact, how the cell works. This is how life functions. And this is very inconvenient news for people who are relying upon electromagnetic radiation in order to do business, in order to tackle the tasks and problems of daily life, because what it implies is that anything that disrupts this cellular battery that's based on the production of light in the mitochondria is going to reduce the cell's ability to generate energy. And that reduction in the generation of energy is going to result in a decrease in resiliency and a decrease in function of the cell. Now, the decrement in performance is not that great, particularly at lower levels. So it's not like, you know, the whole world dropped dead when we rolled out wireless and radio wave radiation. There are things that have happened, and Arthur Furstenberg gets into this in more detail in his book if people want to learn more. There are things that have happened, big mass casualty events, you know, so-called plagues that coincide with the rollout of different wireless or cellular technologies, as people can imagine, it's very hard to impossible to actually prove these things because these are waves of energy running around in the biosphere. It's not like it's like something in the water supply that I can measure or something in the air that I can measure or something in someone's urine or blood or hair or saliva or any of these other things that are discrete physical things that I can put in a test tube, put in a vial and ship to a lab. And this makes it almost like the perfect, the perfect corporate malfeasance. It's just ethereal enough that people like me can say, look at all this data, look at all this science, look at all these results, look at all these patients I've treated who've mitigated their EMF environment and seen profound improvements in their health. Clearly there's something here, clearly there's smoke, clearly there's fire, clearly this isn't just a bunch of tinfoil-hatted conspiracy theorists talking smack <laughs> about big corporations because they have nothing better to do. This is something real that people need to be aware of because the therapeutic value is there when you treat people with this paradigm and it explains why a lot of illnesses are getting worse and worse and worse, despite the fact that meaningfully in the period of meaningfully, well, it's, it's tough to use that word because there's a lot of moving parts here, right? But it's not just the food. It's not just the, the fake light coming out of the screens that our faces and our circadian disruption or chrono disruption. It's not just sedentary living. It's not just uh, aging. It's not just a you know, small particle that makes you sick. It's not just one thing. The EMF is an additional stressor that degrades the quality of life and creates stress on the organism and requires then more 
um, inputs more work to mitigate and overcome. Okay. And that's that hasn't gotten to the I haven't gotten to the blood brain barrier yet. Okay. But hopefully all that made sense. Should I jump into the blood brain barrier part now? Yeah, let's go. So okay. we're living in a toxic soup. There's many stressors coming at us from different Correct. places. Yeah. Big ones mm -hmm. that in our community we look at are light and EMFs, which mm -hmm. are largely ignored by most medicine, including natural medicine. So right. the point we want to make is that the screen the light from the screen is one stressor on the cells, but this invisible EMF that most people don't even think about, which helpfully Joe Rogan and RFK have now brought to the forefront a little bit. Yes. It's causing problems. Okay. Tell us. Yeah. So the way this ties into the blood brain barrier is that remember what I said about how the cellular battery runs on light and what you'll find is that as the cell runs out of energy, it sort of gets more and more chaotic. It really isn't dissimilar to your car, your life, your bedroom, a woman's purse, a man's pockets or wallet. I mean, when crazy things are happening and everything's just like falling apart around you, you know, like you don't pick up your clothes off the floor of your room. You don't time do, do your laundry in a timely fashion. You leave dirty dishes in the sink. You know, if you have a really crazy week in your life and you get to the end of that week, there's a good chance that your house looks like a bomb went off. And if you've never had that experience, then you may have OCD. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully everyone can kind of connect with that and say, yeah, you know, when I have a lot of energy, when I if I if I've managed my time well and I wake up on Sunday and I have a lot of energy and I don't have a ton to do, I do find that I tend to clean up the house, get things tidy, get things in, in proper order. Um, and, you know, I mean, you'll just see this in daily life it's not so dissimilar in the cell. Now, this isn't to say that the cell doesn't need certain physical inputs. You know, if you, if you create a copper deficiency, a zinc deficiency, a B6 deficiency, right? The cell can't make up the difference of that deficiency with light alone, as far as we know. Although I will say that light and EMF change how things are metabolized and how things move and also how much the body needs in order to maintain its homeostasis. So, I can't really prove this, but the people I see with high EMF exposures generally have some of the worst uh, nutritional problems. And my theory on that is that the stress from the exposure creates an increased need for the nutrient. But again, how am I supposed to prove this? It's a very impractical problem, or it's a very difficult problem to study because it's very hard to isolate all these you know, variables and moving pieces. So as the cell loses energy, all of its structure begins to fall apart particularly when you run into micronutrient deficiencies, which we see rampant in the, in the modern populace, if you're doing the right you know, uh, 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 lab testing, which most doctors, to be frank, are not, um, you'll see that the micronutrient deficiencies plus the loss of cellular energy due to the aberrant light environment due to the EMF is creating a lot more issues. The way this manifests in the blood-brain barrier is the blood-brain barrier is made up of very special cells that are specialized to insulate the brain from bad things in the environment, but also to pick and choose what to put into the brain because the brain needs things. It can't just be insulated from the environment. It has to be in communication and connection with the environment so that it doesn't run out of critical things like fuel or building blocks of life like amino acids, proteins, fatty acids, et cetera, et cetera. The brain, people have to remember, is an energy hog. It really sucks up and consumes an enormous amount of nutrition it's something like 20% of your cardiac output, your blood flow goes to your brain. I can't remember if it's that. 
and it's something like 20% of all of your metabolic requirement is just, you know, this three or four pound engine up in your brain or in your skull, I should say. So people have to remember that. So as these cells are exposed to more and more radiation, it stands to reason that they do their job less well and less efficiently. And so you'll see changes in cell membrane permeability and metabolism in the brain when there's exposure to, e, uh, to EMF. Nora Volkow and her research group uh, out in Long Island did a very elegant series of experiments where they demonstrated that glucose metabolism is altered in the brain in people who have been exposed to a cell phone that's in trans transmit mode. And they did this in a double blinded fashion. So the people in the study didn't know that they were being exposed. And if it can change metabolism, it can change life. And then the question just becomes, well, how big of a deal is it? And how should we respond? And I just look at it as the same way that people look at, looked at, or I think the same thing's going to happen with EMF as, as happened with smoking. People said, no, it's fine. Uncle Joe smoked a pack and a half a day for 50 years. And he lived to 85 and, you know, drank a glass of bourbon every day. And, you know, he swore by his lucky strikes or whatever. But, okay, fine. On a population level, Uncle Joe is the outlier. Everybody else, there's a higher incidence of things like lung cancer. There's a higher incidence of things like solid organ tumors. There's a higher incidence of just overall cardiovascular disease, stroke, death from all causes. And so you're going to see the same thing. Uh, with EMF, as I mentioned, you know, if you look at things like the Swedish and Norwegian brain cancer registries are some of the best data that we have, the risks from EMF exposure in those studies, the increase in brain tumors is low. But you have to remember that brain tumors are already a very rare, relatively speaking, disease. Let's say that a glioblastoma, the most deadly form of brain tumor, is a one in a hundred thousand person diagnosis. And let's say it's one in a hundred thousand people over 10 years. Well, if it's one in 100,000 people over 10 years, even if you have something that's bad enough that it's going to double the incidence, you only get two cases in 100,000 people. So how often are you in a position to study hundreds of thousands of people or tens of hundreds of thousands of people, which would be millions of people, right? And so that's why there's very small increases in the Swedish or in the Scandinavian brain cancer registries. But when you look and you zoom out and you look at all cause mortality and you look at things like the incidence of all disease, you'll see that there's much higher levels of disease in the populace and they're blaming the food. They're blaming the, the, even the chrono disruption and the artificial light. They're blaming all these things that it's fashionable to blame. Frankly, most people are behind the curve on this. Some people like me, like Dr. Jack Cruz, like Dr. Joe Mercola, like a lot of other you know, people who got labeled as disinformation artists or whatever you want to call us. Uh, we've been, you know, talking about this for years and, you know, it's going to, it's going to come out. People are going to realize this is bad because it's making them sick. So, okay. So just to wrap up um, a couple of things, first of all, I just want to jump back. So in, in like, what's like the 30 second version, like I, I take this, it's on transmit mode. Yes. I plaster it next next to my my ear canal. Yeah. And have a 10 minute chat and then the hang up. Seconds, the 30 what second did I sound just bite. Do? Yeah, the 30 second sound bite is the more microwave and radio wave radiation that your cells are exposed to, the lower the amount of energy long term they're going to be able to produce and the more impaired their structure and function is going to be. And that's going to long term lead to illness and disease. And the, it's very unclear exactly what the dynamics of this relationship are. 
and that's largely because it's been intentionally obfuscated by people who don't want the public to know the truth about how bad these devices are. Okay. And it's like it's like a low, slow drain on your cells. Correct. It's not. It's not like getting even like something like mold, where your the exposure happens and you're, and you have a reaction. It's like a slow drip. Yes. Although you will get people inducing. who report that they have very specific reactions. They may notice that they get headaches with a certain type of wireless earbud. They may notice that they get headaches with a certain type of cell phone. They may notice that they feel like they have a flu when they start using a new tech device. They may fall sick or fall ill when they move into a new office. They may never be able to sleep on the other side of the wall from a smart meter. So it can be very vague on the one hand, just like you probably wouldn't notice your, you know, your overall health and performance if you smoked a couple of cigarettes a day. I mean, how many people got away with that for decades and decades and decades, never developed lung disease, never developed cancer in their, in their lungs or other organ systems, whatever, lived long, healthy lives, right? That's not really any different with this. But the part of the problem in, in as time wears on is that we're introducing more and more and more devices into the environment that create these fields and create these uh, energies that then create or add to the stress that life is living under. So you have your smart washer and your smart dryer and your smart dishwasher and your smart stove. And then you have your smart doorbell and you have your smart air conditioning system. And then you have your cell phone and you have your, your Apple watch. And then you have your laptop and then you've got your wireless keyboard and your wireless mouse and your wireless microphone. And, you know, it's, it's uh, the amount in the environment is nothing that anyone's ever seen before. And what people need to realize is that when the epidemiologists, epidemiologists study this, they might spend 10 years gathering data on just cell phones. In the time that it took them to gather that data, those people could have installed Wi-Fi repeaters, Wi-Fi routers, smart devices, moved houses, started to sleep on the other side of a wall from a smart meter, bought Fitbits or Apple Watches or whatever, you know, all these things come into play to massively confound our conclusions about these over 5, 10, 15 years, which is often the, the, the epidemiological uh, study range, which is why I don't really read the epidemiological literature that much anymore, because honestly, the epidemiologists figure out that things are bad for you when the bodies are stacked so high and so deep that nobody can pretend that they're not there. And that's part of why, you know, they're, they're able to get away with what they're able to get away with in the last few years, completely lying to the public about one thing after another, and so many people falling for it because they have absolutely no frame of reference for what normal is anymore. Right. We don't know what it feels like to live in a normal, healthy environment. And that's why one of the things I like to do anymore. for patients is say, look, do something like this. Yeah. Go to your, pick a Sunday, pick a Saturday when you have nothing to do. Go to your circuit breaker, turn the whole thing off except for the essentials of your home. You know, you might not want to turn your AC off in Tempe, Arizona in July. I certainly don't want to turn mine off in Tampa, Florida in June. You don't want to, you know, turn off your freezers and your, you know, refrigerators and whatever. But just go ahead and knock out the rest of those circuits and spend the entire day just being a normal person such as you would have done 100 years ago. And then tell me how you feel at the end of that day. A similar experiment will be if you go on a camping trip that's low tech, leave your devices in the car, get out there, hike, 
be in nature, have a fire, cook your own food, enjoy the sights and sounds of nature. People feel radically different after they do that. And it's not some, and then they want to blame it on, oh, well, it's because I didn't have the light or I didn't have the constant ringing of the cell phone or the chiming of the notifications or whatever. A lot of it is the EMF. And you'll know this if you actually bother to mitigate them. I'll see people who I was able to take them from a 10 out of 10 in pain to a seven or eight out of 10 in pain. Then suddenly we do their EMF mitigation. They drop to a four or a three. So 50% of the therapeutic value I might be able to bring into a certain case may just be EMF mitigation right off the bat. So, uh, so let's leave people with something hopeful. It's easy to mitigate in some ways in other ways it's yeah. not because it's coming out of cell phone towers and things we can't control but inside our house we can just like use the speakerphone instead of putting the phone on our ear well the really put it on airplane thing, mode keep things out of our bedroom right the really hopeful thing to me is that just think about how quickly the world turned on smoking once people were convinced you know it, we in a one generation less than a generation we went from it being normal to smoke or chain smoke while you're having a meal indoors around a bunch of other people to smoking being outlawed in most cities and most restaurants. And now I think barely 15% of the American public smokes. Europe, it's worse. I don't know why they're not on our wavelength. They're probably be they're better than us on a lot of other things. But the point is, in one generation, this can all turn around. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen because the proof of the pudding is really in the eating. If all you're exposed to in terms of your EMF environment is you know, a ham radio you're almost never going to notice it. But if you have smart this and smart that and wireless this and wireless that, it becomes a huge stress on your body and your life and your family. And so when you get that out of your life, you feel massively better. And, you know, people will hem and haw or whether or not they agree with this study or that study. But when people really try this, they see the difference. And when they see the difference, they know what it's worth it to them to mitigate it. And then all the things you mentioned are really good, useful things to do. You can unplug your Wi-Fi router at night. You can hardwire your devices whenever you want. Like I have a hard line for my phone. I have a hard line for my, uh, my computers. Uh, you can use hardwired microphones, hardwired laptop cameras, hardwired uh, uh, keyboards, hardwired mice. They still make these things. In fact, they're cheaper than the wireless version. So I just have all of that instead of wireless options. And it's not only worth the hassle, but of course it's cheaper. And we're saving ourselves from descending into, into chaos and resulting right. in like, what would you say the, the most common early sign is of someone who's having a reaction to EMF, like fatigue? Exhaustion. Exhaustion, yeah. Exhaustion Anxiety. and burnout. Anxiety. What's find me yeah. a person who's anxiety. who's like exhausted and doesn't have a touch of anxiety. I don't think they exist. Yeah. Well, and then doing all the other things in your life, right? Too, like getting outside, getting out in nature more. You know, it, it's compounded, right? And so, you know, control the things you can control. Because we'll have people that'll get all freaked out about EMF, and it is a big deal. But their water's crappy. You know, their diet's horrible. They're not going outside. They're inside all day, you know, so you want to control the things you can control and then the things you can't control, you just do the best you can. And you want to put as much, you know, gas back in the tank or empty your bathtub as much as you can. Right. Right. Cause yeah, it goes back to, to what we were saying before. It's like, uh, it's 
compound stressors. It's all these little things stacking up and up and up. And it feels like every year our environment is just getting, adding more and more and more stressors to it. So at a certain point, you cross that threshold where your cells are like, okay, I can't like, because we're quite resilient. Like, it's quite amazing to me that we're not sicker when we, when I really I know. think about oh, what's right. going on. If you go to the store, like you go to like Walmart or whatever, I'm amazed when I walk into Walmart and I look at some of the people and I'm just like, how are these people functioning? Right. You know, and they've got kids and stuff. And I'm just like, holy crap. Here's the other thing to think about too. This device, and you know, I'm going to have to make some major decisions in the future. You cannot have total control over a population unless you have this modern technology. Yeah. You know, there's not enough soldiers, there's not enough spies, but you can control people if everyone's hooked into this system. Right. So, you know, that's something you might want to think about um, as time goes, moves further forward. If the flip is a switch, you can shut your bank account off. They can shut all these things off. And that's all part of like the, you know, the military industrial complex, like he talked about. Right. They want to control people. So I've got to jump off. Yeah. Any any last thoughts? Questions, questions there we're worth looking at? Um, we oh, yeah, there are any questions in the chat? Look, a cast iron skillet? Yeah, so <laughs> I just don't use microwaves. If you leave it off, it's not going to be a, an issue, Jenny. Um, yeah, microwaves are tough, especially if you've got kids, but we just, our house came with one and we just don't use it. I just heat everything up on the stove and it, right. that's just how we roll these days. Right. A lot of these. We occasionally, I let them use the microwave last night because we were heating up Indian food and everyone was like, oh, we're allowed to turn the microwave on? I'm like, 30 seconds, get out of the kitchen while it's hot, while it's running. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a lot of these modern conveniences have consequences. That's right. Yeah. So thanks everyone for joining us. All right. We look forward to Thank you. Thanks for clarifying everyone. that. Take care, everyone. And explaining. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.